turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Just go to the end of the, the, go to the back cover and just turn a few pages and you're there. Depending on how many concordance and various measures of uh, documentation you have in the back. Today we're going to talk about uh, something that God has been uh, showing us from his word. And we're going to be talking about things that you are. We're going to be talking about things that God has called you to be. He's going to show things that are, um, um, that are going to explain a lot of verses of Scripture that we've known and lived, um, but we're going to see them in a new light, in God's light, and I'm so grateful for that. Now, before we read this uh, passage, I want to remind you that God has been speaking to us over the past many weeks about the river of, uh, of life that flows from the place where the temple of the tabernacle of testimony is in heaven, as, as has been described in Ezekiel 47. And God has also been speaking to us about being trees. Jeremiah 17 speaks of that. And um, the, the beauty of this is that it seems to be a theme throughout the entire Scripture. And... Um, we're going to talk about bearing fruit today and how that fits wonderfully with the things that I just said. We're going to talk about how fruit comes, and we're going to talk about how, if you reflect from the book of Genesis chapter 3, you're talking about rivers and trees and fruit, and that's how we got into this crazy mess with the curse of Adam. So it's wonderful the way God ties all these things together. And, uh, but the point is that what he has made you to be, you're depicting here in, in this. So Revelation 22, 1 through 3. He showed me a pure river, and that's cathartos, which means that it's flowing unhindered, un, un, unhindered and that it's flowing... Um, to supply everything that God intends it to supply. We've studied that word. We've talked about unclean spirits that are akathartos, and we've studied that concept. But this river is flowing unobstructed, and it's bringing life. Clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, what Ezekiel saw was that... Um, that river came out from under the threshold in the temple. And we recognize also that the Bible says in this wonderful book of Revelation that there, but this point, is no temple, for the Lamb is the light. And so now this river is shown from where it originally and for eternity will flow from, from the throne. In the midst of the street of it, uh, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, yielding her fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. This is an amazing culmination of God restoring what he intended from the beginning. And I am so grateful for this and for what it means concerning our measure of intercession as the people of God. Um, this tree bears 12 manner of fruits, yielding fruit every month, and that the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There, there is no time in heaven. And we go off the Julian calendar of 12 months, but as you can tell by 
the names of our months for for centuries, thousands of years, people viewed the annum as ten months. And um, but the point here is that months is really a base off of the sun reflecting of the moon. I don't want to get you lost in the wheat because this isn't our main this isn't our main topic. But the months here speak about a rotation of what God's light does. And for the ancient peoples, when the new moon came, that was the beginning of a season, a beginning of a cycle, and usually the beginning of a month. And so what's being depicted here is sequences of 12, which is the governmental number, which is why God had 12 disciples, which is why 12 is, is so important throughout the Bible, but it's a governmental thing. Four and 20 elders, two, two times 12, 144,000, 12 times 12. It, it's governmental and people functioning on behalf of what they are called to do in this cycle of God releasing something, what he wants to have done, and when it comes around to the fullness of the reflection of his light, that's the end of that sequence. So what's shown here regarding these fruits and this river and this tree is that for eternity, God is going to be releasing things that he wants to do through his light. We will be fulfilling that measure of his ways, which is what the seven, the seven spirits do. Um, they, they come together to form the white light, and when that is reflected, it will signify the beginning of a new thing. It's like, it's like Kronos Kairos. It's, it's, it's really this sequence of, of reflecting God's light. And I think it's interesting, the very next verse that we didn't read said, they shall see his face. You're face to face. It's a reset. And um, that's an incredible thing. But what, what is really the essence of fruit? Now, again, I could go back through and we could teach about uh, the river the four sequences, the thousands, the, the measuring of the reed, the, the threshold, the ankles, the knees, the loins, waters to swim in. You should know that. I don't need to go back through. Put on your thinking caps and remember that. But fruit in a tree is produced because the tree has received into itself, into its leaves, um, carbon, uh, those carbon elements, carbon uh, dioxide, and, and really any impurities, they receive it into the leaves. It is then processed into sugar, and then that becomes the fuel for the, for the buds, for the production of fruit, and largely for the expansion of roots. So if we're talking about fruit, um, that's the way fruit happens. It, it happens because there has been a measure of, through, through our praise and through our partnership and our, the, the leaves uh, of our of our life as trees of righteousness reaching out to God and in partnership with him receiving those things that are either destructive or or are obstacles processing them within ourselves and um, letting that become a sweetness and not a bitterness and then that fuels the the fulfillment of the of the flowering and the fruits, as well as the expansion of our root system. Um, I, I'm very grateful for that. So anytime you see fruit in the Scripture, it's, it's, it's not a measure of you thinking right or having a right philosophy. It's a measure of this process of you partnering with God to cleanse and to turn things into the good. Now, 
like what what was taught during the seminar about how the tree through those leaves um, creates a suction point um, and then that draws the water from the roots up through um, this is a this is a cycle that that goes from from that process of receiving um, it then draws back in and we process and we produce fruit this is a really interesting it's just so interesting because it describes what we do as saints how we partner with God how we pray and you know there's a difference between fruits and vegetables you know fruits are basically something that comes through a flower and then it, it produces a fruit that is edible and there are seeds with that vegetables you know you can you can eat them but basically the whole plant roots and leaves and you know, it can mostly can be edible you can look this up some of you already are you'll find that bullet pointed for you it says the same thing but what we as trees do is to produce fruit and to participate in this process for for cleansing now when evil is done away with and there's no more sin you will be using this process with the river of life to take God's possibilities take the things that he puts forward things that he wants to do and we will be processing them to to bring forth life and um, I, I just think, I think that this is, this is an essential thing for us to understand. And it really is, it's indicative of what God does. Because even some people might be hearing this message and think, well, that's, that's okay. Well, how's that benefit me? Well, you're supposed to be functioning this way now. And you're going to be in this in eternity if you go to the right place. You know, if you go to the other place, you're going to be wanting a drip of water on your tongue. If you go to the right place, you'll be drawing water from the river, and you will be processing the ways of God for life, and you will be demonstrating fruit. And, you know, there's so many ramifications of this. You know, the, the trees of life, and we've talked about uh, the saints and their involvement with this, those who overcome those who are faithful to the commandments of God, uh, we will have a, an exousia, an authority in the trees of life. The trees of life, we've, we've studied this in the past, are linked clearly to wisdom. And wisdom is turning the darkness into light, following where God wants us to bring forth light and, and to manifesting God's beauties. Um, it's... Uh, but it's an exousia. Overcomers have the right to the tree of life and to eat this fruit. This is what the scripture says. But, you know, if, if you're partnering as a tree of righteousness, then that's how you gain this authority and you produce these things. Um, Revelation 22, 12 through 14 speaks of that. And, it, and again, it, it, God introduces himself as the Alpha and the Omega. So he's going the beginning and the end, and then it goes right into this fact that you are going to have right to the tree, and you will have exousia in that as you're partnering with his commandments. And so all of this is, is a unique process, but it should be toward God. And um, But you think... You think uh, of uh, we kind of released this to the um, to the to the French saints yesterday, and Monica brought up the the first uh, instance of Jehovah Rophe in the Scripture. Well, I'm the God that heals you, and we talked about what Rophe is. It's it's restoring. It's making things what they should be for function. And you remember what the setting of that was? The people came to bitter waters, and Moses was commanded by God to take a tree and to toss it into the water, and then the water was made sweet. 
that was the backdrop of Jehovah Rophe. And it's, again, a tree in the water, and, and this is how God is going to process things. So you're either going to be bitter about everything, and if you do that, you're not going to produce any fruit. But if you make those challenging things into a sweetness, fruit will grow and good things will happen. So we're going to talk about how rain comes here in just a minute. But before we do, let's go back to our remembrance of what we know from Genesis chapter 3. Here comes the enemy in the form of a subtle serpent. And what's the discussion there? about a tree of the knowledge of Tob and Ra that has fruit. And God says, you don't eat that fruit. You stay away from that. And Eve then adds to it. And some people say, well, Eve is adding to the word. You don't know that. This could be something that God told Eve and Adam. You don't cop. You don't touch that tree. You don't give the palm of your hand, or the sole of your foot to that tree, and you don't eat of that fruit. Why was that so important? Because the enemy said that he would be like the Most High. He was here. There were many contingents of, of angels at that time that were positioned at deposits of the esteme, deposits of the glory. We know from reading Scripture there were encampments of this. And, um, and there still are. And somehow the enemy decided that he was going to take this process that's obviously functional continually in heaven, and he was going to do what he wanted, so much for reaching out to God and using this process for what he wants. I'm going to do what I want. Iniquity is found in me, and I'm going to generate not only Tobe, but I'm going to go off track. I'm going to produce raw. And somehow God let that tree there in the middle of the garden. And probably as an example, I'm not God. I wasn't there. But there it was. And the whole essence of the enemy argument was about trees and about not obeying God, not obeying the fact that you, you only yield the palm of your hand, or, or again, that word was for the sole of the foot. You only yield that partnership to God and his trees, or, or what would essentially be off of this river of, of life and the trees of partnering with God in his ways and in his process. So the whole argument of the enemy was about this business of trees. It wasn't just, are you going to believe God or are you going to disobey you know, we talk about that. Yeah, that happened. But what was the essence of the thing? Why did the enemy choose this thing? Why was that tree there? Because it speaks of what the end of the book says God wants. And this river is a real thing. This tree of life is a real thing. We are called to be this. We are called to bear fruit for our Father. And through that production of fruit, we sow that seed. Uh, you know, there, this is where the curse originated. And, and so I think that it would be well for us to view what happened there in Genesis 3 as, as really what it is. The enemy does not want this process. The enemy does not want us to reflect the, the presence, the light of God, and to communicate this river of life that flows from the throne. Right now, it's flowing from under the threshold of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven. You're living this. How else are you living it? Well, remember that, yes, the leaves draw in these things that need to be processed, turned into sweetness, fueling the root and expansion, producing a flowering and fruit. But there's also something else that happens with this water of the river. And this is really important for us to see as well 
because basically when the um, when the water comes up from the river and then it's dispelled from the bottoms of the leaves, the, the intake is from the tops of the leaves, then that brings a moisture to the earth, but it does something else. That raises up and forms the clouds. Now, I'm grateful um, our, re our expert in the Saints Network uh, is is working on a lot of different things, but she forwarded Shay forwarded an article to me about uh, the studies that have been done regarding the Amazon rainforest where we're going down there, uh, and uh, the the rainforest in the Congo. And here's what um, <laughs> what these researchers have discovered. Moisture that forms the clouds come from either the ocean or from the trees. And, but the thing that allows rain to come comes only from the trees. Moisture that evaporates from the ocean tends to be lighter than the water vapor relieved in the atmosphere by, by the trees. Um, and and here's here's a really unique here's a unique thing. The the thing that makes the water vapor that was really from the trees important is that it in, contains this element called deuterium, which is heavy water. It's 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 essential in atomic uh, formations, and. Um, this heavy water comes out from the trees. They found that the early moisture accumulating over the rainforest was high in deuterium, too high to be, be, be explained by water vapor from the ocean. Apparently, this remains in the ocean, but it, it comes up through the trees. And so this moisture comes up and forms the clouds and from, from the trees rain then is made possible. Uh, let's talk about this a little bit further and we'll hopefully draw it up together to talk about why this is important for us as intercessors. So the tree-induced rain clouds um, really is, uh, is something that we need to say. They, they said that in the rainforest of the Congo, 80% of the, um, the moisture that's generated over that rainforest is from the trees themselves. And in the Amazon, 60%. Um, what, what is so vital to me in, in this is that it seems that at the beginning of the cycle of the seasons in that point of beginnings is when the the water from the trees really goes up and then toward the end of the cycle and and that ignition that ignites the cycle so the trees ignite the cycle and then where that 20 or 40 percent comes from is from the ocean and that is at the end of the cycle. So you've got really a new dimension of former and latter rain. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. I mean, it, it triggers the cycle itself. The trees trigger, trigger, I'll read it directly from Science Magazine, triggers the shift in wind patterns that will bring in more moisture from the ocean. Um, Scientists have studied the connection between trees and rain in the Amazon before. In 2012, study found that plant the, these these trees help seed the atmosphere for rain by also releasing tiny salt particles. So you have this deuterium, which is heavy water, which is explosive, which is necessary for for the empowering of the atom, 
And you think about this. What have we talked about regarding the prayers of the saints being as an incense? What have we talked about? The voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes. The voices and the, being, the willingness to, through convection, go up. That's generated by our willingness to be trees of righteousness. So we are, we, our prayers are as incense before God, but they also generate this moisture. And those things combined go up, and it forms the clouds that then brings about in that second factoring of voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, the explosiveness. We're trying to research to find out if this deuterium is, is, is what is, is the explosive part. It's not just the static of the things, even though that happens. But apparently these, these scientists don't know the voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes scenario, so they haven't really gone there. But this is an amazing thing. I think we as intercessors who have learned these principles from the scripture, voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, incense, raising, being as contrite, uh, being beat to dust, but, but now as trees, the first part of this element, even in the rain for us, which is what they're studying, the cycle of probably the seasons for the earth is generated by the trees. And then the latter part is the lighter elements of water that comes out of the oceans. This isn't me making this up. And, and all these climate activists and global warning, warming people, in some ways, what they have shown the light on is when the, when you remove the trees from the rainforest places, that greatly reduces the rain because it's the trees that initiate the cycle of rain and the clouds. Now, let's let's talk about this a little bit further. Uh, I hope I've not lost anybody. I mean, to me, this is I'm hitting you with this for the first time. Didn't God say that, ask of me, and I will give you, Sha'al, you who are really partnering with me in intimacy, and you're my, you have exousia. You're, a, you're leveling on a king level. That's what Sha'al means. Ask of me, and I will give you the former and the latter rain. Well, could it be that the asking of him is what is God uses to generate the former and the latter rain. Nature proclaims the glory of God. So it's not like, oh yeah, I've, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I'm before the Lord, he's given me promotion, so Father, send the rain! Oh, send the rain! No. You're generating in the kingdom this move of the rain. We've talked about rivers, we've talked about wells, we've talked about pools, and now God is showing us this added factor of how the rain comes. And guess what? You are a part of all of it in the Lord by his word. Now, this is, this is so amazing to me. Uh, it just kind of stuns me. And we should, have, we should have recognized. We've talked for years, haven't we? Because we've seen it happen. It kind of surprised us when it first started happening. How when we started really calling on the Lord, God changed this region. And he sent rain. He sent rain. He sent rain. He dispelled high-pressure systems. And we didn't go out and just plant a bunch of oak trees. We began to pray. And God sent the rain. When we would go into various places, places where drought was, places where horrific heat was, in other lands, God would immediately show a sign. Here comes the rain. Here comes the cooler air. Just because we were there, what? Teaching this, imparting this. And God confirmed it with signs following. I think this is really an explanation Beyond anything that I have ever imagined, we, I've seen this happen. I know God's given us an exousia in this, but it's really 
it's really a demonstration in the natural of what we're doing as intercessors in the spirit. And these things that I've talked to you about are not theory. They're not some pie-in-the-sky wacky thing that you read on the Internet. This is by climatologists and people who are studying this with so many different dimensions, and this is what they're speaking about. I, I think it's incredible. So what the world needs is the reign of God's Spirit. What the world needs is the outpouring of all of these factors of the river of life. But the way it, the way it has to happen is by us being the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, processing, the, releasing his water, is so interesting uh, in heaven. Let it be in heaven as it is in earth and in earth as it is in heaven. That's this process again. I mean, you can't get any better once we've been born again than to be partnering with this river of life that's essentially from the throne, but now it's, it's, uh, its entry point into this equation is under the threshold of the temple of the tabernacle of testimony. And why is that? Because we're going forward. It's interesting. I was, I did, was doing a study about warfare in the Old Testament, spiritual warfare. And I found, you know, we said that every one of the kings of the Old Testament was judged by what they did in the high places, whether they tore down the altars of the enemy in the high places and whether they glorified El Elyon or whether they just looked the other way or even partnered with the demonic. That was a big thing to God. If that's, if that's the report card on all these kings, it's a big thing to God. Why is that? Because the structure of the enemy encampment in the Old Testament was threefold, and it parallels, uh, it really copies and mimics what God ordains. You have the high places, then you have the mounds where shrines were. They were like the tabernacles of the enemy, and then you had groves, groves. Now, groves, God said, if you, if you encounter them, you've got to burn them. And don't, don't you dare plant any groves near the altar of Jehovah. Groves are the root of those prophets of the enemy that were Baal and Ashtaroth, Ashtaroth. Groves were the root word for Ashtaroth. So throughout all of these ites, they, most of them called the god that they worship Baal, which is Beelzebub. And we know him from the understanding that in the demonic kingdom, he manages the outposts throughout the world. Stick with me now. But all of those ites, most of them would call them Baal, but a lot of them called him other things. You know, in Samson's day, they called Baal Dagon. And we studied about recently when the Ark of the Covenant was put in his shrine, <laughs> those guys didn't learn their lesson the first day when it toppled over. The second day they went in the palms of the hands of that thing and its head were on the threshold as an offering before God. But they all worshiped this, and they believed, you know this is true, and the queen of heaven, in Jeremiah's day you can mix into this, they all believed that if they were in right standing with these two, that they'd have rain, and that they would be blessed, and that they would have their crops, and they'd have water to drink, which is why it's so important that when Elijah came along, God said, all right, I've had it with this. You've got Ahab that's turned over my kingdom to this woman who is, her name is a virgin dedicated to Baal. And she's raising up all of these prophetesses of Ashtaroth. And in those groves, they do despicable things. A lot of it, forgive, this is just what happened, sexual things, perversions. And they would offer sacrifices there in that chain of high place and then monuments, but then there were always groves. So when Elijah pronounces a drought, 
No rain. Three and a half years. We've studied that. Seems you may, you may have read that somewhere. And then God said, all right, it's time. And he faces off with the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth, the very ones that said they were giving rain to the people, but God had shut it off. And you know what happened, <laughs> don't you? And, and so God, uh, God talks about this, these groves, uh, which are trees. And, and it's, it's a worship to the enemy. It, it's a mockery of what God wants. Now, but it, as it is a mockery, what might that same pattern represent here? Well, it's very obvious. The throne, that's the high place of high places. You have the, the tabernacles and the temple dwellings of the Lord, and then you populate that with the trees of righteousness, which in, in a way re returns the cycle to God, and then God releases from there the river, and it's just, it's just a wonderful flow. The enemy mocked that. You know, people read about this in the Old Testament, and they focus on, you know, Samson, take me to the, to the temple of Dagon and put me between the posts. That's a great story. But what was the overlying and the underlying warfare all about? It was about the control of water and rain and the demonic that, uh, that tried to corrupt that whole process uh, in Genesis 3. Did a pretty good job of it, too, I might add. So you come to the end of the book, and what's God triumphing? Here's this river of life coming out of the throne. It's wonderful. And there's this tree there, and it bears fruit, and it reflects the glory of God and the light of God. Does that seem to me and to you to be the thing that God is wanting to restore? Does that seem to you to be the thing that declares how God's kingdom moves? I, I think so. No, no, we're not going to all look like Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy and wander around and say, I am tree. You know, we're not, we're not going to do that. But the picture of it, the picture of it is, is what you do as saints, as you pray. Now, what do we do when we pray? We're partnering with the mysteries of God. What do the saints who are holy who are given exousia to this tree. What do we do? We say, God, you want something. And through our intercession, we're going to pray your mysteries. And we want to see that thing turned into the good so that it becomes a, a glory to you. And we want the river of God that brings healing and life to turn bitterness into sweetness so that it can expand the kingdom and bear fruit to give glory to you. This is what we want. We call upon the Lord for the former and the latter rain. Our intercession does that daily. And the enemy wants to stop intercession. He wants to stop people from praying because he knows if he does that, he is, he is basically hindering the incense that rises before the Lord and the, the release of the waters that God has ordained that process that then packed with this power base will initiate the explosiveness of the sons and, and the victory will come. This is such an amazing thing. But the thing that makes it amazing to me, it would be amazing enough if it was just depicting a scientific spiritual process. But you're doing this. This is what you are. Otherwise, tear Jeremiah 17 out. Tear out these other passages that says, this is what you're functioning in. You have access to this. You eat this fruit. You are, uh, you are bearing this. This is what we are. Why? This world, you, the, you know, you can't look at a newspaper or hear the, the, the media without hearing about global warming, climate change. What we should be talking about, in a way, they're right. The enemy, <laughs> the enemy is, is wanting to do away with the process of the trees of righteousness. 
because he knows that's what he hated all along. It's what he tried to do in emulating God in iniquity. And now God is restoring his ways. I'm not presenting this very well. But the point is, though, that, you know, I, I was laughing about this because you know, you study about the Manhattan Project, and you study about um, um, the development of the atomic uh, process of explosiveness. And I can remember watching Hogan's Heroes, and and uh, you know, they had barrels of heavy water that would come through. And one time, they convinced Colonel Clink that it was really from the Fountain of Youth, and if he drank that water, it would grow hair in his head, and Hogan would go in there and try, you know, like Dr. Baker, like Dennis with Dr. Baker, trying to show how much hair was growing on the head after the Rogaine. I remember those funny stories. But this heavy water is something amazing. But the trees generate it, and it's necessary. It, it begins in the process of the seasons. And it initiates the winds. It fills the clouds. It provides the explosiveness for the seasons of God. And, but it won't happen if we aren't those trees. It won't happen if we won't pray. Now, the rest of that verse in Revelation 22, see, we're going back to it. What does it say this will do? And the leaves of the trees were for the healing, the therapeia of the nations, the ethnos. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Does it mean you grind those leaves up and mix it with a potion of essential oils and make people eat it and suddenly they're healthy? No, this is a therapeia. It says that if these leaves of this tree are doing what they're supposed to do, it will bring healing to the ethnos around the world, to the various idiosyncratic identities of the deposits of the glory where the people are. It will initiate what those places are supposed to be. But the trees themselves and their function will bring about this healing. So what we just described is what you and I are called to do throughout the earth. We are trees of righteousness. We need to be praying. We need to be believing. We need to be calling upon the Lord. We need to be processing what needs to be done. But we need to be going and making disciples of this throughout all the world. And we need to be teaching these people. What do you mean, these people? We need to be teaching these people to do this very thing where they are because this is the way God's kingdom functions. They need to be on their face praying. They need to be praying in diversities of tongues. They need to be saints. They need to be letting the, the, the leaves of the trees clap their hands. You know, clapping in the Old Testament, I remember back when we were really functioning as a general church, one of my favorite messages was about what clapping meant in the Old Testament. And it was a point of agreement. It was a point of sealing of documents. It was a point of derision to drive away the enemy. It was, it, it was many things. So the leaves of the trees clap their hands. We are in agreement with God for what he wants, and we're driving away the enemy as we do this. But these leaves have to be a therapeia. They have to be functioning. They have to be drawing. They, they have to be breathing and welcoming in uh, those, those measures that they should be receiving from the atmosphere, that partnership with God. They should be releasing the water. And that, that, uh, that function, that cycle, is, is a circle of function. And it goes both ways. It's identity, and it's also release. But that's what generates the seasons of the Lord. That's what generates the way the suns can be sent forth explosively to bring earthquakes and the turning of things that shouldn't be back into what should be. But it all starts with us praying. So read it again. He showed me, and seems I just want to make sure I'm reading here from the Bible. Yeah, I am. That last chapter, how dare God say these things? Why isn't he talking about my mansion over the hilltop? 
Why isn't he talking about the streets paved with gold? Me seeing Aunt Clara again and getting all the answers to all the things that I've griped to God about. Now I'll understand it better up there, but I'm holding on to it until I see him. I've got a lot of things to settle with God. Why didn't it say anything about that? seems to me that the very end it said, blessed are they that do his commandments of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. They will have exousia to the tree of life and enter in through the gates to the city. It begins with, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, bearing twelve manner of fruits, yielding fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. So however this curse started, and it seemed to me, if I remember right, had something to do with a tree, now that curse is gone. And what God wanted from the very beginning is there. Do you ever wonder about the Garden of Eden? I don't know... I'm really not a botanist. I'm not a horticulturalist. I know the Bible speaks a lot about being a husbandman and planting things. I really don't know what they did there in the Garden of Eden every day. You know, it just seems to get boring after a while. You want to go into a city and do something, you know. Well, guess what? <laughs> Our main purpose is to, is to see and behold things. I mean, those of you who have seen this river in that area of paradise in heaven, and you see the things that God would show, it's not just hanging around the park smoking weed. Uh, it, it, in fact, I didn't see anybody doing that. This is, this is vibrant. It's dynamic. It, and it, it is what God wanted. This is what heaven is. This, this is it. This is the end of the book. I read the back of the book, and we win. That's a big stemwinder song. I can see Louis Mulliken singing it right now, waving his hands with his red suit on. But I read the back of the book, and I see this. How about you? I'm reading it right out of the King James, what the Apostle Paul carried. Uh, you know, so it's got to be true. But these leaves are for the healing of nations. You and I have been called to the nations to do what? To do what these leaves are supposed to do. To personify what this river is supposed to be. Jehovah Rophe was presented to the people who were murmuring and complaining because the waters were bitter. The waters are bitter. And a tree is tossed in there. They're made sweet. And this is Jehovah Rophe. What's the, what's, what is this tree business? It's what you are. Intercession. It, it, it processes what God wants. It demonstrates the river of life. It brings life. It sets in motion what God's sequence of his seasons are. It brings about a fulfilling of what God begins to what God ends. It, it in itself it initiates that season for the former rain, but also then the latter rain comes. And, and this is all what we want. We talk about, Lord, we're going. We need the former rain. I call unto you. I'm blowing the shofar. I'm in agreement. We've been having a prayer chain asking for the former and the latter rain. Well, you can do that all day long. But are you a Sha'al individual, and are you fulfilling as a tree of righteousness what anywhere in the world creates the rain this is god's way nature proclaims the glory of god so it's function and that yields authority and if you keep god's commandments you will see the fulfillment of this and you have increasing exousia now what happens when we eat of this this fruit and to me I think, first of all, the seeds that we're planting comes out of the fruit. But I, I think that it's with every season, God gives us the opportunity to enjoy the blessing of what we've partnered with him in. And to some degree, it strengthens us, 
I think in, in many ways we should be being perfected and changed from glory to glory. So the more times we process through this, the more efficient we become in serving our Father, the more authority He gives us to represent this process and to be able to ingest this fruit for ourselves is, is measures of promotion and sharing at the feast of our God, of triumph. Because, again, in this, in this every month business, if you, if you look at the, I looked, I don't know how many reference points I looked at to try to determine what that actually meant. But it all came back to knowing the cycle seeing the reflection of the sun fully radiated, and, and there was always a festival and a feast with it. Now, the enemy tried to take it and turn it for wickedness, which is another way he tries to emulate God. He gets people worshiping the moon and doing all these things. But the thing that makes the moon is the sun. The thing that makes everything we are is the light of God. He is that. And, and I, I just... I just think that this is, this is a reference to God's seasons. Because again, if these trees in the Amazon, the Congo, and anywhere else contribute to the initiation of the cycle of God, and then it brings it back full circle where then the cycle begins again and somehow these trees get them communicate and they start producing this heavy water and it's released up, this is a cycle for the Lord. And so the fact that it's referring to what the ancient folks recognized as a cycle of the radiance of the sun, it, it's just wonderful. It's, it's just wonderful. So other than to say this does a whole lot of splaining as to a lot of the scriptures that we read that we may not really understand, what does this mean? What meaneth this? But it also shows how important it is for you to be praying and partnering with God. Why is God emphasizing this river? Why is God emphasizing these pools? Why is God em emphasizing all of these things that have to do His waters and how we, we need to be prepared in that sequence that's clearly spelled out to be developed to, to move on behalf of the water of life? Well, here's the other factor of it. I wonder, I wonder this. You're faithful in the small things, and this is no small thing. I give you ruler over many. If we're really, and we are, commissioned to go into all the world to speak this or to really demonstrate it and help these people understand through the doing, you do and then you teach. Could it not be possible that being trees, God has seen us faithful in that to whatever degree we have been? And I apologize to the Lord if in any way I have not fulfilled that. But now it's time for the river to be released. Waters that cannot be passed over. And if we're going to teach them about being trees, there has to be a measure of function with God to activate the river there. I, I don't know. I think that's probably it. And trees seem to find a way to find water, whether there's a river nearby or not. There's subterranean rivers, there are aquifers, there's water sources. Um, it's... Uh, you know, I could go on and on about this, but some of you remember some of you were alive during the days of the Dust Bowl. And um, basically, land that used to be fertile, was all the trees were taken out so that they could plant crops. And I don't fault them. But then suddenly there wasn't rain, and that land became arid and dry, and there were feet of dust walls that covered houses, covered cars. And, you know, researchers have talked about how they had to restore that, and a lot of it had to do with replanting trees. But they, they said that they also learned that 
if people, you know, people were all drilling for oil, if they had just drilled down a little ways and found the aquifers below, they could have pumped that water up, and that would have been a source of water. Trees have a way of finding water, even though we don't see it with our eyes sometimes. But the point is that God is giving us this privilege, and the leaves of the tree were what brought about therapeia, both for the tree doing what it's called to do and for the nations or the ethnos. Now, I recognize this message today was a little cranial, doesn't have you hopping in the aisles, but you are saints, you are teachers, you are intercessors, your teeth should be ready for meat. And this is something that God is telling us. And right smack dab in pretty close to the middle of Revelation 22, there it is yelling out to me in red, Behold, I come quickly. One of the things I read from that first prayer time here on a Saturday 16 and a half years ago was, I'm coming quickly. There's a lot to do. I'm coming quickly. Do this work. Be faithful. I'm coming quickly. Intercede. And here he says it. Behold, I come quickly. And so you need to recognize how important it is for you to, ex to accentuate what God has called you to be and to pray, and to call upon the Lord. Uh, because that's really our expression before God. You know, when we talk voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, we talked about everything begins with a voice. Well, it does. And contrition then comes that, that brings you up into that measure of the formation of thunder in the cloud. But you've got to pray. You've got to be speaking the mysteries of God because that's addressing what God is wanting to process. And we have to do this. Be, be faithful in it. Don't let the enemy convince you to stop. And uh, God is empowering us to go out in this time of breakthrough and Johnny Appleseed the world. We've got to teach people to be trees of righteousness. We've got to pattern it. We've got to impart. We've got to ignite. And we've got to do it for the, for the time is short. But this is God's way. This is what initiated the curse, the failure of this, the disobedience in regard to it. And at the end of the book, this is what God says, triumph. This is what's happening. Here it is. This is the way I move. You're moving in it now. This is operative for you now. And, and it's essential. It's essential. So again, uh, I, I release this to you as chosen ones, mighty men and women of God. This is a commissioning that Satan hates. This is a commissioning that he does not want you to partner with God in. And there's a whole lot of half-God saids going on trying to convert, convince people to go off into other pathways. But be faithful and do the first things and see what God will do. This is God's answer. Christ came. He is the answer. Jesus is the answer. But he came to empower you to do this. In partnership with the Father through eternity. You know, you see these probes that NASA and the Chinese, they send out into the moon and sending to Mars, and they want to send it everywhere else. What are they looking for? 
water. Water. That's what they look for. Because where there's no water, there's no life. Does that ring a bell with you? What these planets are waiting for in eternity is for the water of life. What did God show Abram? Look up in the sky, Abraham. What do you see up there? You see those stars up there? That's your inheritance, Abraham. Your seed will be that. And Abram believed God, and God said, righteousness. So we do this now. And I'm grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for our Saints Network family gathered in so many places across this earth. Let us recognize the hour. Let us recognize the imperative nature of this operation and this identity. This is what God wants. This is his word. And uh, it, it is intercession. It is partnering with God as sons. And God has, has called you to be trees, but he's also given you, he's given you this marvelous uh, authority in this river. Especially he's emphasizing this. I want to say one more thing. There's so many things you could say. There's so many illustrations of this in the scripture. One of the fun things to do, uh, well, it's not really that much fun, but where it talks about this river and the, the pathway that's there and, uh, you know, this river, the trees are on both sides of the river, it's funny to read all of these people that are experts in linguistics and etymologies and from, from the Jewish community through the eggheads on the far left of Christianity who study this stuff. I've never understood that. If you don't believe the Bible, and they say they don't, why would you dedicate your life to studying it? I don't, I don't understand that. There are lots of people who do that. And they all argue about how is this tree? Is this tree in the middle of the river? Is it on either side? Is it just one tree? And, and they all go on and on and on and on. And, you know, if you see it, it makes perfect sense. But it's fun to read their arguments. And they, they fight with each other about it. They write papers debunking one another about this whole thing, about whether the tree is one tree, whether it's in the river, whether it's on the side of the river. What is this roadway? What is this pathway? And, you know, how about let's just do it? You know, how about, let's just, how about let's just do it? And the point of it is, is, is this tree is so overwhelming, it's the identity of, of our partnership with God. And, yeah, there is a roadway there. It leads down from the place of the, of the sons. It goes through this beautiful place, and it magnifies what God has commissioned from his throne. And the river does run alongside it. And the tree just seems to be everywhere. But it is one tree. It, but, it, but it just seems to be everywhere. Those roots expand it. It's like a canopy, but it's, it's beautiful. It's glory, glorious. But we are emulating that. we not emulating it. We are extensions of that. I'm just rambling now. I, I didn't need to tell you that. But let's be faithful um, let's recognize how important our intercession is. Let's think about that. Yes, we, we're caught up into the secret place of thunder that we can be set forth as lightning to see the earthquake come. But your intercession with God is forming those clouds. It's initiating the cycle. And if you're not doing it, there's challenges. Amen. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I pray that 
we will do this. And I ask you, Lord, that you'll help us to be able to understand it more clearly and to be able to communicate it in simple ways, but yet without dumbing it down. People need to know what the Word of God says. Don't put it into nursery rhymes and little lullabies or to make it what it's not, to try to prose it or make it into poetic descriptions that really aren't what they say, the Word says it is. It is what it is. Help us to recognize our place in this and to take responsibility, to take exousia in it. And help, help us to be used by you in these end times to fulfill this vital and eternal and heavenly work. We love you, Father, and we thank you. Bless this people. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Release a double portion of your anointing to them. And may you cause us to be what you need us to be in this hour. Forgive us if in any way we have been negligent in this, but help us to be well and pleasing in your sight. We love you, and we thank you, for it is all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all.